0: the missional adventure podcast telling inspirational stories of baptists embracing adventure in the mission of god
1: this is the 16th episode of the missional adventure podcast justin kennedy ministering training at Haywood baptist church in greater manchester Hear him tell Simon the story of what happened when a small group of Iranians turned up one Sunday morning. There have been challenges, for example, learning to become bilingual on a Sunday morning, but there's been exciting growth too. You can get future episodes as soon as they're released every two weeks by searching for Missional Adventure in your favourite podcast provider or on your smartphone or tablet or visit our Facebook page by typing in Missional Adventure and post to social media with the hashtag Missional Adventure. So, on this episode of the Mission on Adventure podcast, I've got Justin Kennedy with me from Haywood Baptist Church. Welcome, Justin.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: And Justin, do you want to just introduce yourself to us? Where is Haywood Baptist Church and who are you?
2: <laughs> my name's Justin Kennedy. I'm actually a minister in training at Haywood Baptist Church. So I'm currently entering in my final year. Haywood Baptist Church is in a place obviously called Haywood, which is round about 10 miles north of Manchester City Centre.
1: And you're going to be telling us a bit about what's been happening over the last few years at Haywood. And and often at this point I say, you know, so why did you do what you you did? But my understanding is that this has just happened at Haywood. So do you want to just explain a little bit of what has just happened over the last (laughs) few years?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's a very interesting story, which would take up a lot of time, but I think the main thing I would say is, yes, we've been taken completely by surprise by this uh, influx of Iranians into the church. Now, it all started in 2014, I think it was the end of October or early November. Now, we was aware, Roch, Rochdale, which is the next town up the road, we was aware that they had an Iranian church. And they used to come to rent our building as such to use the baptistry because they didn't have a baptistry for baptizing people. Now, there's one particular Sunday morning in October where I, I'm part of the worship band, I play guitar, so obviously I have to get to church quite early to do all of that. And I noticed a row of people who were definitely not from Haywood. And my assumption was they were perhaps visiting from the church in Rochdale a week before the baptism service just to have a look at how, you know, the building and things like this. But what transpired is they actually were were in Haywood. Now, the, the funny thing was, for me in particular, that morning... I really didn't feel on form. And after the service, I noticed this group of, I think it was about four or five of them walking directly up to me. I was shuffling my papers around to, you know, put all the music back in the folders. And as they walked over to me, in my heart, I said, oh God, I don't feel good today. I'm not sure I can connect this morning. I would really rather get out of the building quickly. But they came over to me and tried to ask me for the songs. They wanted the songs. And I think the moment that I just said to God, I don't feel on it today, but I'm willing to do this. Suddenly there was this profound connection between myself and four individuals. I found out that the Home Office had started placing people in Haywood. Haywood is not multicultural or anything like that. And really from that point, personally of saying yes I don't feel up to it but I'll talk this connection was established and now we stand 2019 and we're engaging with roundabouts, 150 Iranians now church-wise about 30 to 40 are now coming on a Sunday and and out of nowhere to be honest with you Simon this this thing has just exploded, and it, it, it's got lots of exciting bits and lots of challenging bits, which you might want to ask me about, but that's the context, I think, of how this started.
1: Just in the context of, the, of Hayward Baptist Church, what sort of size congregation was it in 2014?
2: Well, um, I mean, to be honest, we, without being detrimental of the congregation, but they would admit we were... We were almost a dying congregation. And even though we was probably 40, 50 strong, for the history of our church, we we were, you know, starting to peter out the quality of the people in the church, the heart of the people is very, very rich. But I don't think we, I think just as much as any other Baptist church, we're thinking we, we now feel completely on the fringes of society. What can we do? And then all of a sudden, I I really believe God sent uh, this unprecedented blessing to us to to help us to really um, engage or bring out the quality within us so that we could see we are capable of doing mission again as God's people.
1: There was a sense, it seemed to imply that there was a sense that there was a a desire to serve, a desire to be engaged missionally, and there was a sense, God, we're, we're willing, but there was no idea where that would come from. And then that's great. So, so tell us about some of the, the challenges first and then we'll, we'll hear about some of the joys a bit later. But some of the, some of the challenges, I mean, it sounds, it sounds very exciting, but I can imagine, you know, a church that if you're saying the congregation was 30 or 40 and then over the last few years you've had 30 or 40 Iranians join that congregation, I can imagine that being challenging for, for the congregation to, to deal with.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose in terms of the congregation, one of the things is, as as you would imagine, we suddenly have this new area of mission, and an awful lot of attention, therefore, gets directed into this new thing. And I suppose for some, but not all, and it's, it's to the credit of the people in the church that this hasn't been such a big issue, but I do know for some the feeling then becomes that we are now starting to feel a bit isolated. And I guess whilst that's one challenge, the other challenge then is to think, well, how do we ensure that we incorporate the whole body of Christ into this activity together? Now, the challenge with that then is, when we're doing services on a Sunday, particularly now if you visited the church, you would see visibly almost half of the congregation do not speak English. So we've had to challenge ourselves, particularly on looking at integration. How do we really do integration in church is we almost need to create that space for a new people, a space in which they can feel loved and valued. And one of those areas is to do with things like putting up the bible readings in Farsi it's also enabling them to participate in services in whatever way is necessary so we've had them tell the stories and uh, sometimes we've had to have people come up and interpret now often when we have interpreters you may have experienced this it does make the service longer and you have to switch in your brain as a normal congregant to understand that this is actually an act of compassion doing this, even though it's, you know, lengthening things. So there's that challenge as well. Oh, we've also tried to do worship songs in and I have to say, my goodness, I've never known a language that maybe has about 40 syllables for, for one small sentence in English. And especially when you're trying to sing, we're from a more charismatic background so we do everything by ear and and to look at these things on a page i think we tried my jesus my saviour in Farsi and there's one line that honestly is so difficult to sing so even as a worship team we've decided we've got to try and be bringing in Farsi worship songs as much as we can Uh, it's a challenge to the band but it's a really good nice stretching challenge those, I think, are the congregational challenges. And I'm not sure if you want me to go on to more broader challenges. If yeah, you.
1: yeah, do, do tell us about, about those as well.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things we face with, and, and it will be with anybody from an asylum seeker refugee background, is their needs are almost quite immediate. They're obvious. And for them, they, they, they feel their needs have to be met Quicker. And I'm talking particularly when they're navigating around what you might call the hostile environment of the home office. And it's, you know, getting evidence for their cases. It's them trusting the church enough to be able to disclose what their case is. Now, you know, we can say it's all nice and happy. And um, some of them, they came to know Jesus in Iran, and we've got some spectacular testimonies of how that happened. But that also has involved them having to leave everything in their culture. At points, they're leaving the family behind. And once they get settled into a church, then suddenly they're flooded again with all of these memories and everything that they miss. And I think an awful lot of the ministry, whilst we've got the exciting side of seeing Iranians getting baptised, and many of them, there's this pastoral element of being a safe enough community for them to to suffer, really, to allow their suffering to come to the fore. I can often get quite emotional about this because we don't really understand what suffering really is until we create that safe space for them to talk. And I must admit, there have been times for me and the the other challenges about your own internal boundaries, these people can really get inside of your heart. And the stories that they tell and the experiences that they have as such that you can end up heartbroken and (laughs) really angry at the world. And I think we as a a church have theologically had to look at what it means to be a church that suffers on the margins with people and what it means to be a church that pursues justice. And it's easy to say things like, Jesus says, I know he is loaded, blessed are the peacemakers, but the way of Jesus literally is is the way of the cross and i think the big challenge to to the church that has got comfortable is there is a cross to be carried with with our brothers and sisters who are suffering and we have to learn how to do that we have to learn how do we celebrate the joys amongst the challenges too which are very real and very difficult
1: yeah as you say there's a there's a cost to following where god leads you as as a church and that, that act of obedience often is one that is about yeah. carrying across it'd be good though having having talked about some of those challenges some of the both the emotional and sort of the the relational challenges and challenges yeah. of worship to talk about some of the joys it'd be good if you're able to to share some some stories of, of the, the joyous occasions over the last yeah. few years that yes. in the midst yeah. of what god has done amongst you
2: i think First of all, the presence of the Persian community, which is such a lively, hospitable community, is something for me that has completely enriched the church. It's really uh, stretched us in terms of our own hospitality. But, but the great thing about what they have brought is a real generosity of spirit. They love to host and be with people they love to they love to have parties they love dancing i hate dancing i've had to learn to appreciate dancing so they brought this much more lively emotional culture into the church i think as well their stories for me i would always say we often think we know jesus and when we engage with somebody seemingly on the margins, we begin to realize Jesus is, is really alive in, the, in this area. Now, I've had, uh, we started, before we started to do fasting Bible studies in the church, we decided to do them in the, in the accommodation, the, the circle or NAS accommodation, and had some wonderful times together of just grappling with God's word and trying to understand what it means, and then just enjoying a meal together afterwards and fellowship. And there was, there's was, there been a number of occasions where there's been such a sense of God's presence amongst us. Now, I remember once talking to, we've got a guy who came from Tehran, and he was a firefighter, a really strong man, and I was chatting to him, one night and he sort of disclosed to me that he was ready to die for Jesus and it that really hit me and in the presence of this conversation I started to talk about what it would be like when we all are gathered together when however we see Jesus coming again and as I began to talk with him about this There was such a strong sense of God's love and presence that overwhelmed me. And I ended up in tears because it was almost as if I felt we were doing heaven right now together. And I think the congregation at Haywood Baptist Church would say, it's almost like God has opened a brand new well up for us. And each Sunday, we are drinking from that well. I mean, we've got like old women you know and they're on the walking sticks and suddenly they've, they've adopted this this uh, young asylum seeker and somehow there's these relationships that are formed where you look and you think this actually is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God has has broken in in a new way now I'll just quickly tell you about one of the common things that we get is we've baptized so many of our asylum seeker community and one of the great things is if if you learn about people from a muslim background they do actually believe that god speaks through dreams and so we've had a number of very amazing testimonies where jesus has appeared in a dream and has continually for one of our friends Um, For over five nights, each night, Jesus appeared to him in a dream. And on the fifth night, Jesus touched his heart. And as Jesus' finger touched his heart, he woke up and he heard a voice saying, you can follow this way. And at that point, he came to know Jesus. We've got another guy who was in prison in Greece. And he, he said one night, he said, I'm really ashamed one night I doubted God's love for me. He said, and I was, in, I was in the prison, and I said, Jesus, you promised you'd look after me. And he said, and I've lost my family, and I've lost everything. You promised. And he said, I fell asleep. He said, and in the middle of the night, my cell door came open. And he said, and somebody put their head in and shouted my name. He said, so I sat up, and I said, yes, it's me. And he said, follow me. He said, and he followed this guy and this guy who was a prison officer said go you are free and he said he walked past all the other prison officers and none of them noticed him and he said I believe an angel let me out of prison God heard my deepest cry and uh, he said he just escaped from prison and and you just you just hear these remarkable remarkable Stories and you just think this is this is New Testament, this is Acts of the Apostles, stuff people on the run and God somehow coming up in miraculous ways to assure them and with you just carry on. So yeah, th- those are a couple of like really Amazing. great highlights. Just I it's
1: yeah h- hard to imagine. I'm just thinking of a church that might be listening to this podcast yeah. that like your church a few years ago, feeling that you're in a this sort of process of decline, willing, but not quite sure, you know, what God was going to do amongst you or whether he was going to do anything amongst you. And then these people arrive. Now it it seems to me that on that occasion, you and the church could have responded in in a variety of ways, one Mm -hmm. of welcome or one that was less than welcoming. And, you know, it it feels that because you you acted in a way of of welcome and, and connection and generosity all oh, the stories that you've just told and it sounds like they're just a couple of of yeah. some you know a collection of stories that you've got that are amazing and just a sense of of god really at work amongst you you know th- that path could have been missed to you know in, in some ways that um yeah. if that welcome hadn't been there and so i guess for churches listening to this you know it's when when god brings in the stranger to to yeah. welcome
2: them uh, yeah, yeah. I I think one thing I'd like to add, Simon, is um, simplicity. And and the reason I want to mention this is people could hear some of those stories and think that my church that I'm part of is some kind of high flying heaven on earth place where everybody's swinging off the chandeliers. But but in actual fact, we are we're a church that's been an incredible transition, and. I think we've had to learn to be simple. Now, I want, I want to give you one little example, which is there was a young uh, Iranian guy at the church. I'd had this sort of strange meeting with him where I felt as if God was saying he he wasn't a Christian, but I felt as if God was saying, I've brought him amongst you to, to reveal myself to him. Now, he had a period being incredibly sad because he was missing his family. And I felt one day after a Bible study in the church that I needed to pray with him. And I kind of avoided it a little bit, um, but something kept chewing my ear to say, just, just pray for him because he's, he's feeling sad. And uh, I took him into a private room with, with one of the more senior Iranians and just prayed. Now, the thing I want to say about simplicity is when I pray with them now, i just pray in in a very basic simple way because i want them to to feel and understand that i know their heart. it's not you know and and it, in actual fact when we pray for this young man actually jesus met him at that point that's where he, he says jesus came to his life but but i realized that what one of the challenges is is it is about simplicity the simplicity of the gospel we don't need to be bamboozling people with how great and spiritual we are we just have to love I think that is the that that is the essence of the gospel and love does have its challenges it does it does mean that the dynamic on Sunday mornings has changed but you've got to roll with it as an act of love and service to others so yeah I just I just wanted to sort of put that in it's get it's brought us back to the simplicity of of the of the gospel of love and of the kingdom
1: great it's been it's been really good speaking to you justin and my understanding is that you're just one church it's been great to hear your story but god has been doing this across the country bringing vastly speaking iranians into churches and and to faith and it really feels as if this is this is a move of god and you and there may be a sense of of others being blessed and perhaps in the future being blessed in that way and being open to, to what God might do in that way. I want to thank you and all the best as you continue to your training and you continue to minister at Haywards Baptist Church. Good speaking to you. Okay.
2: okay, God bless Simon. Thank you.
0: At the end of each episode we want to point you in the direction of a resource that may be helpful in your mission and adventure. So keep listening for even more inspiration. Do you have new housing springing up in your area? We are in a housing crisis. The government has set a target of 300,000 new homes each year, every year for the foreseeable future. We feel this is a Kairos moment when God is inviting us to join in with him, loving these new communities and digging his blessing into the very foundation of these new areas. The New Housing Hub is a national ecumenical network with a vision to work together to share God's love with every new housing area. The New Housing Hub exists to journey alongside local grassroots Christians, individual churches, ecumenical groups, denominational bodies and housing stakeholders. We aim to inspire, equip and nurture sharing God's love with every new housing area. And to network together those who share a vision for mutual sharing, equipping and encouraging. You can join the conversation at Facebook New Housing Hub page and group. Twitter at New Housing Hub. Check out the website at newhousinghub.org for training resources, videos, blogs, details of conferences, training events and courses. You can also book us specifically for your context. Contact me, Penny Marsh. And me, Ali Bolton via info@newhousinghub.org. We are both practitioners with a passion to see God's kingdom come in our new estates and to birth new disciples and churches. Let's work together and share God's love with every new housing area. The Missional Adventure podcasts have been made possible through funding provided by Baptists Together. The music is from the adventure, an original song written by Andy Flanagan and recorded by Matt Osgood. Editing of the podcast is by Emma Garner, and this has been a River Tree Limited production.